Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, will lead us through our ministry plan for 2018, as well as explain Brookwood's purpose for this coming year. You can find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. Today's a little bit unusual Sunday um, because today I introduce our ministry plan in a message that I'm calling Bearing Fruit. You say, well, if you're new here, you may say, what's a ministry plan? Is that a budget? Well, yes, it's a budget, but, it, but a ministry plan implies action that advances the kingdom of God, that, that leads to changes in people's lives not just a form that controls spending or a document that controls spending. Now, our ministry plan reflects our church's mission and our strategy. And actually, we print it on the cover of the program every week. You know, in, internally and informally, we call this the tree, but it's basically a mission and vision. And it's something that we have prayed over and fasted over and we're careful about the language because there are lots of requests for funds. So how do we make decisions, what we say yes to, what we say no to? Well, we use the tree. We try to follow our mission and it guides our decision-making, it guides our ministry development, it guides the formation of the ministry plan which then guides our spending. And the summary is included in your program. So you can take this. I don't have any blanks for you today, so some of you may be in shock. But our calling and our purpose as a church, you can put in other words, uh, our mission is to help people pursue relationship with Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And the way that's done is by faith. It's only by faith that we can have relationship with Jesus. The theme verse for today is found on your summary of your ministry plan. John 15, 5. Yes, I am the, va- the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, what happens? Come on, now, I'm going to keep y'all all day. Y'all ought to be jazzed up by now. You've had breakfast. You, come on, what's going to happen? So are you bearing fruit? You have to look at yourself. Am I bearing fruit in my life? And then it says, for apart from me, you can do what? You believe that? Nothing, nothing at all, nothing of eternal significance in particular. When we pursue relationship with Jesus, when we remain in him, when he remains in us, we bear fruit. Well, fruit includes the formation of Christ-like character. We studied that in Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit. But when Christ-like character is formed in you, it will result in the expression of good works. Fruit bearing is accomplished not by greater effort from you. 
How's fruit bearing accomplished in you? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in you produces fruit. Now, can you do anything to thwart the work of the Holy Spirit? Sure. You stay so distracted by this world, you entertain sin and you can quench the Spirit. You can put out the Spirit's fire, the Scripture said. And so you may be stalled out. You need to ask why, what's happening? Because I'm not seeing more fruit in my life or in my basket. Now, what's the human role? Well, the human role is that you cooperate with the Spirit by participating in practices that facilitate these changes in our lives. And our fruit bearing does this. It provides us, ourselves, and it provides other people evidence of our salvation. You know, unfortunately, we have decided that the evidence of our salvation in our culture is saying we're saved. That's not a biblical evidence. Biblical evidence is bearing fruit, and it's visible to all, including yourself. Now, these practices that facilitate fruit bearing are communicating with God, connecting with Christians, and caring for others. And again, they're right here on the front of the program every week. When we participate in these practices faithfully, intentionally, regularly, it will result in a transformed life. And that transformed life will be evidenced by loving God, loving people, and living like Christ. That's essentially our vision. If we follow our mission, what results is we are a change to transform people and we display that threefold, that twofold love of love for God and for people. And we also live reflecting the character of Jesus Christ. So let's consider how to promote the production of fruit in our lives. Or do y'all want any fruit? Who wants some spiritual fruit this year? All right, now, here's the next question. Who's willing to do something about it? Let me see that. How about you in the back? You know, I can see all the way. I'm 60, but I can see all the way back. (laughs) Who's willing to do something about it? Because let me tell you what, if you do nothing, nothing, you will produce nothing. So where are you today? First is communicating with God, and that's worship. Worship is essential for fruit bearing. Again, John 15, 5, just the first part of it. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Or the latter part of it, I mean. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we remain in Christ, what happens? You bear fruit. But how do you know whether you're remaining in Christ? You, yeah, somebody over here. You experience his presence. Can you detect the spirit? How many of you can detect the spirit? And don't raise it just because I'm asking. Because it may be confusing to some of us. 
But if we're believers, then the Spirit of God is in us and we have the ability to detect when the Spirit is at work. And when the Spirit is at work, which means we experience His presence, which means we encounter God Himself, we worship. We worship. Now, if I say, do you ever worship? You say, well, not really. Then you're not experiencing the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, we become filled with awe and respect and even fear, don't we? When we enter the very presence of God. Now, worship takes a lot of different forms. It's speaking to God and it's receiving his responses in prayer. You know, if that's new to you, consider, just as you read the scripture, consider how many times people were given direction by God or comfort. That should be normal for believers to hear the responses of God. Now, does it come in the same form for everyone? I don't think it does, no. Now, for those of us that some of us are real cognitive, we may get direct words. Some of you that are more artistic may get images, even colors. Well, why would it change? Well, aren't you all different? Do you communicate with everyone the same way? No, you don't communicate with any two people the same way because it involves the other person in the method of communication. God does the same thing. He communicates with you in a way you will grasp. Does he communicate with you artistically? Colors, shapes? Jared's a painter. That would be expected, you know. For me, I hear words. You know, I'm kind of a literary, you know, read the words on the page kind of guy. Visual. For some people, it's an impression. Some of you experience peace. But it's not peace without information. It's peace full of information. You see what I'm saying? Is this true? Or, I mean, am I confusing y'all with this or is this true? You know, you, are you tracking with me? So we, we, we speak to God. We listen to his responses. We do listen to instruction from his word. We lift our voices in praise and thanksgiving. I love to see, you know, some of you stand up, raise your hands. You saw Daniel pulled me out on the stage. Well, worship in song is a participatory sport or activity. If you come and you listen, that's not worship. Well, I can't sing, but you can worship. You ever wonder why did God give us a voice and words and a communication and no animal has it? I know you can say, oh, but the dolphins. <laughs> yeah, okay. She just ordered a ham sandwich. But we're different than all of creation. God gave you words to express back to him the truth he has expressed to you. And I urge you, I implore you, try. Because it affects your soul. It's part of the process he's given us. So we lift our voices in praise and thanksgiving. And it focuses on him instead of all our problems. 
And we give of our money. We give first out of appreciation, not to obey the law, but out of appreciation for what God has given. But also we give with awareness that God will faithfully provide. Now I want to say this gently. If you don't give at all, you're cutting off a vehicle, a practice of transformation in your life. And if you refuse to give, that may be the very thing between you and God. That stinginess can cut you off from the Spirit's work and quench the Spirit. So give something. If it's $5, give. The church certainly needs it, but you need it more than we need it. When we experience God in worship, which again means encountering his presence, we also encounter his truth. You see what I'm saying? In worship, you receive and you grasp a new dimension, a new understanding of who God is. You know what I'm talking about? Because even two people, you get married, it takes you a while to know someone, doesn't it? And guess how you come to know them? In every encounter. Every encounter informs, instructs, alters your image. Well, why would it be true of humans and untrue of God? Because we receive information and develop relationships the same way. When we encounter the truth of God and we grasp it, but really it grasps us, we are changed. Our faith is informed and we are refined to be more like Christ. Worship in the spirit produces fruit. Back to John 15, one and two. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that bear fruit so they will produce even more. I like that, speaking in tongues back there. (laughs) Now somebody interpret. Listen, I love the sound of that. I mean, I got to hear my beautiful grandson saying, Poppy, loud at 345 this morning. <laughs> of course, he started with his grandmother, Lily, but he says, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Hear that at three o'clock in the morning loud. But the truth of God that we receive through worship convinces us of the truth of the gospel. You understand the gospel in experience not in a cognitive decision. You understand that? If, I, if you decide cognitively, you can decide this week and be talked out of it next week. But it's an experience that happens not by you, to you. And you're not the same. So not only does the Spirit convince you of truth, the Spirit also convicts us of sin. You know what? I think I'm always doing pretty good. How about you? You need somebody else in the relationship to say, oh, you have somebody. (laughs) But the Spirit of God shows us that because the Spirit of God 
loves us enough to not let us live complacently. His goal is to conform us to Christ. And I'm going to tell you what, that imagery doesn't sound painless to me, does it you? He cuts off every branch that is without fruit. And he trims the branches that do bear fruit. I think it's probably a bit painful. You agree with that? But the Spirit convicts us with compassion because he's not there to just denounce us. He's there to grow us in love. Sometimes we in our relationships are afraid to tell the truth because we're so codependent, aren't we? And as a result, we're not helped to be conformed. You know, when the Spirit acts, it exposes not only sin, it exposes the lies we believe about God. You know, we pick these things up throughout our lives, particularly as children. You know, you, you grow up in a hostile environment or you suffer tragedy, you doubt God will deliver you. You wonder whether he loves you because your life experiences tell you something contrary. And so you might decide, I read this verse, God will never leave me or forsake me. Then why, when something negative happens, do you suddenly think I've been abandoned by God again? Is that true? I know more truth than I can live. Is that true of anybody? Y'all got to tell me or I'm going to be stay here all day. Because there's a difference between knowing stuff informationally and knowing something spiritually so that it changes who you are, changes how you see yourself. Because I can know God loves me and still feel like I'm unlovely and unworthy. And it changes how I view God. It changes how I view this world. It encourages faith and trust in his truth. That's why it's important. Sunday is important. If you come with some expectation that you can encounter God. Now, I'm not saying that all of my sermons are important to you, but I'm saying when God's people get together, God's spirit is present among us and he has a message for you. Do you come expectantly, wanting to hear? Because you gave financially this past year, we had 52 Sunday worship services and many other things, baptism and Lord's Supper and we have Christmas Eve and other services, and it gives people the opportunity to gather as a family and experience God's presence, which results in changed lives. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what my method is. Every year I try to teach from the New Testament and the Old Testament. Old Testament is truth concealed. New Testament is truth revealed. So I want to teach how God worked truth in people's lives and also teach the direct teaching and instruction of the New Testament. And then, of course, the Gospels do some of both. But whenever I preach, I'm trying to instruct theologically, but also practically. Information without application is a total waste of time. You only know what you live. Is that fair? I can tell you a lot of things I know, but if you look at my life and say, that's not there, that's not reflected, that, then I don't believe those things. I just happen to know them. It's completely different. 
Now, we examined the life of Jesus, which was, you know, almost a year. Why did you do that? Why did you lead us through a harmony of the Gospels week after week after week? Because I wanted to rescue the Gospel from our culture. Have you recognized that our culture has this this bland, shallow, insipid gospel that really is nothing more than I'm saved because I say I'm saved? And how dare you challenge anything in my life? No. The gospel is God's truth and we submit to it. He doesn't submit to us. Now, if you don't like that, that's Christianity. But our culture has this sweetened up, melted down version that unfortunately is no gospel at all. If I, if I declare the, the doctrines that I believe, then I have to be God. We surveyed the Old Testament um, prophet Samuel because Samuel was a person who was given over and belonged to God his entire life. Why study that? What does it look like when you walk with God your whole life? That's what I wanted us to understand. A lot of us came to faith late. I was a senior in college. How many of you came to faith at the age of 18 or later? Born again. Many. And so it's easy to develop regrets and things you're ashamed of and you've spent years going the wrong way. Well, God still restores, but what if we learn, especially our young people learn how to walk with God and belong to him all their lives? And you know what? Even if I came to faith when I was 21, I want my children to come to faith young and I want my grandson to come to faith extremely young so they don't ever walk away from God. They know him. Cultivating character was just a look at what does it look like if the Spirit's in me producing character qualities like Christ. And then Colossians that we just finished was living change lives. Just taught us what, what believers should embrace by faith, what they should believe in other words, and how they should live. So I'm always trying to interact with where we are and counteract the effects of the culture that are attacking our faith. And that's why I choose the series I choose, trying to give you a broad grasp of God's word, not Perry's opinions. Those aren't worth much. God's word and worship of him is what changes lives. And so I commend that to you. In the coming year, we're going to learn God's perspective on marriage in a series that's called Marriage Made in Heaven Lived on Earth. But I want to emphasize, it's God's perspective on marriage. Because if God created it, shouldn't it work? And so what are we missing? Well, it may be that we don't see marriage the way God determined it to be. And this isn't a series for bad marriages. This is a series for better marriages. And this is a series for those who aren't yet married to learn how marriage should be and how it should look and work. And for those who've been married before, you might be married again. And for those of us that have relatives and children and grandchildren, we may just need to gather some wisdom to pass on. In the new year, we're going to focus on another Old Testament figure, Daniel. 
in a series called Living in a Foreign Land. And here's why. Do I need to convince anybody that our culture is hostile to Christianity now? Do I need to spend time with you on that? Okay, then how do we teach these young people and teach ourselves how to live with conviction in a culture that's opposing us, that's pressing against us, that's even angry with us when we merely state God's guidelines? And so Daniel was a man who lived in a foreign land with foreign religion, foreign rules, and great threat and opposition. And so I said, what is there in that for us? Because here's the thing, y'all. If we have this insipid faith that just reflects whatever the opinions of our culture is, we are essentially worthless to the good news. The good news has to be distinct, clear, truthful. And we need to be prepared to say it, not angrily, not obnoxiously, humbly motivated by love. So that's where we'll go. Our proposal for worship is 1.3 million, 18% of the total. And it includes all the expenses and the staffing that puts on services, essentially, in this room and in all the rooms for the students and for the children and, uh, you know, all the audiovisual, all that stuff. Um, also the choir, the band, everything, all the equipment. Another practice to promote, and it's, it's spelled out on your, your sheet there, on your ministry plan, is to connect with Christians. And this is discipleship and recreation for all ages. John 15, 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. He says that over and over, doesn't he? It's important. Anytime the scripture repeats something, that's where you pay attention. Now, we can remain in Christ when we gather as a church family and here in a public worship setting or when you're in a private worship setting. But we are also in Christ's midst, midst when we connect with other Christians and that's why it's important for us to develop spiritual, not merely casual relationships with other Christians. We need each other. The scripture says when two, of you get, two or three of you gather, I'm in your midst. And so we encourage forming these relationships through small groups, through large gatherings, which is wow, which is mob. Uh, which is we have larger classes where someone teaches and then there's a breakdown at tables for discussion, but also for recreation and sports activities. At Brookwood, recreation and sports are purposed to gather people with common interest so that they can become casual friends that result in spiritual relationships. And that's the reason our teams aren't open to just anybody in the community. I mean, we have the why doing that. Our teams, because this is a fairly large church, provide the opportunity for you or your children to make some friends. And my hope is that like when these children get on a team together, they make friends and they stay together through elementary school, through middle school, through high school, off into college. And they have someone connected to them that's trying to walk with Christ and helping them walk with Christ. You see my point? 
Now here's a word. Jumping from church to church to church, it's never going to happen. You know, if this isn't the church God called you to, I bless you to be there. But if this is the church God called you to be in, be here. And involve your children. You see, the, you know, when I was in elementary school, I mean, yes, we had slates and we wrote with chalk and all that. But, <laughs> but we opened up with the, the Pledge of Allegiance in the prayer. You know what I'm saying? Public school. You don't get that today. It's almost like our children are taught there's something offensive to prayer. Is that true? You're doing something wrong if you say the name of Jesus. And the problem is it's bled over into them thinking it's absolute. It's an absolute ban. They can't say anything about church or or Christ at school. Well, there's some that want it to be that way, but that's not the First Amendment at all. It's, It's inverted. It's abused, but it's used to quiet God's voice in public places. And it's not what the First Amendment says. But I urge you folks, now here it comes again. You can hold on to your seat, bite your lip, something. We have to start behaving as though we understand the importance of our children being taught God's word. And I'm, here's, but here's where it goes. Some of us are behaving as those soccer, baseball, traveling teams, you know, flag thing, you know, dance troupe. And all those things are good. That was not a completely honest statement. I've been to the recitals. For goodness sakes, 250 little clusters of girls and then yours gets out there for 90 seconds and you had to pay $75 for her little outfit to get in and out of a box. But my point here is, y'all just get me off track, see? My point here is If you want your children to know God, you got to put them in a place where God is taught and where people who know God are doing the talking. And you have to do it deliberately. Well, my kid doesn't like this group. Okay, then that means you go and you talk to that teacher, you talk to that pastor, you sit in that class and you decide this is where we are, this is what you need. And then your kid doesn't get to decide. We need people in our lives who are committed to the same values and morals as we are. But we need these people to have the courage to understand that they have an obligation to God to be an instrument in our lives. And if we're so scared, oh, I might, he might not like me, oh, oh I'm going to hurt your feelings, and we won't say a thing, that's not the church. You know, I got a bone to pick with y'all. This week, I had a health exam for insurance. And this woman pulls out this scale. And that scale, how much do you think I weigh? 180. I, come here, I'll kiss you in the lips. 
209. And none of you told me I was getting fat. My dear wife said the scale must be wrong. Well, what about your britches? Weren't they? No, I mean, I thought I was getting in fashion with the tight jeans. And I thought the dryer just kept taking them in a little bit more every time. But there is a point here. The point is, I owe it to you to speak into your life. You owe it to me to speak into my life. And if I won't receive it, then I need to deal with that with God too. You see my point? We have got to quit being afraid of each other. Because we're losing our influence in this culture. I'm n- never be obnoxious, never be obstinate, never be angry. You see, hear, hear what I'm saying? Always motivated by love. But see, when God does some cutting of branches, it's usually us holding the clippers. Do you understand that? With the Spirit of God guiding. We need each other to grow, to hear the gospel, to, 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 to learn the Bible together, to influence each other's decision-making, to confront each other in sin. You know, how many of us committed some sin that if some Christian had stood in our way, it might have turned out different? If somebody had spoken up because they cared, what might have happened? That's our role. And when someone is not living God's way, the scripture in several places says, go and get them. But don't treat them harshly. Treat them gently because you might end up in the same temptation. But we need this even more as our culture deteriorates. Some of you in the last week have been challenged on something that you believe that's biblical and were afraid to say, this is God's opinion. We need each other. So we learn the Bible together. We hear God together. We, we, we bear each other's burdens. You know, sometimes in our culture now, people pass away. They have no church. They have no faith. I, I, haven't, I personally haven't experienced anyone in that situation that didn't want the church's help and the, and the church's support. They may not live like they cared about it, but when, when, when there's, and we've had tragedy in our church this week. But when someone dies or, or there's some tragedy, we have each other to, to link arms. And sometimes it's financial, but it's always emotional and spiritual support. That's what we're here for. In adult discipleship, 109 were baptized. And over 1,900 were involved in, in discipleship. What about you? Are you involved in any kind of discipleship? 829 adults participated in recreation, which is ministry in our church. And in the coming year, we're going to keep providing all kinds of different ways for people to engage in relationships that encourage their spiritual growth. Now, the proposal for just the adult part of discipleship is over 500,000. You can see the exact number, and it's 7%. Well, why is it so low? Well, because parent, these um, adults pay for their own materials, essentially. But that number also includes staffing that works with adults. The essentials discipleship, I urge you to 
take part in that program if you haven't yet. Recreation, also baptism. Now, in terms of ministry to families, children, and students, 195 children and students expressed faith in Jesus this year. Now, I want you to notice something. That's, I appreciate that applause because that, see, we undervalue this as though it was just a right, I'm American, so I'm a Christian. But when a child embraces Christ and Christ embraces that child, that child is different from, for eternity. I mean, let's don't diminish this. You know, we have grown so accustomed to, quote, salvation that we minimize the value. This is the most important thing that can happen in a life. And it's the thing that determines eternity. Now, well, why weren't all these kids baptized? Hear me on this. We don't hurry kids into the water. You see what I'm saying? Because a child will want to please a parent, will follow expectations, but we don't want a child baptized for that. We want a child baptized who has experienced Christ and wants to follow Christ. Now, it's not a rigid thing we do, but we're not in a hurry. You see what I'm saying? To baptize. And we say, okay, do you see evidence your child is, is a believer now? Do you want your child baptized? And you can get in the water with me. I might hold you under. But 2,900 children and students experienced Jesus on Sunday. Over 1,900 participated in Adventure Week and camp and summer fun activities. And in the coming year, our, our family staff has produced a, a wonderful program, a family ministry pathway that provides resources for family in every stage of their child's life. Well, how do I get it? Well, you have to read and hear when you hear it announced. That means you have to show up. Your child is going to be parented by this culture unless you parent your child. And we want to continue to help children and students and, you know, and families pursue relationship with Christ. The proposal for families and students and children is 25% of the total ministry plan, 1.9 million. And it includes, again, staffing, but curriculum events, uh, Sunday worship, adventure week, all those things. The third practice to promote production of spiritual fruit is to care for others. John 15, 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Well, you've been pruned and purified when you were born again. But you're going to keep being pruned. That's sanctification. We keep being conformed. But we're purified initially when we're born again. And so we're justified in the eyes of God. He declares us just, holy, perfect even. But then as a practical matter, we're refined. That's what sanctification is. And so this pruning happens throughout our lives. And if you're, but if you're avoiding the pruning, you're going to stall out spiritually. If you run from any opportunity to be confronted by the word, We're also conformed to Christ's image when we spread good news. We don't do social service ministry unless it has a gospel opportunity. You hear me? Now, there are lots of 
organizations that do wonderful work and I don't denounce them at all. But when we spend money, it's for the gospel. You see what I'm saying? So we meet needs to open doors for the good news to come in. That's what we do. And so, and it changes us too. Because you know what? When you're spreading the good news, you get a little bit self-conscious about how you're living, don't you? Some of us won't tell our neighbor at work that we're Christians because they've heard our talk too much. Is that true? And so we serve people in our church in need, in our community and in other parts of the world. In our church this past year, 321 volunteers in 23 ministries demonstrated care 8,500 times. In the coming year, we're going to launch a new marriage ministry strategy. This will be in the winter. This is, I'm doing a ministry series, I mean a marriage series, but there'll be a new strategy, a new, a new small group. We're going to continue care through counseling, support and recovery groups, and financial guidance. We also help people hear from God. We all need to be able to hear from God and he's speaking all the time. We guide them to their place of service by help them find connection. See, one of our values, they're not on the screen, but we've articulated our values is partnering with purpose. So we may help somebody financially pay a bill, but our purpose isn't just to pay a bill. Our purpose is to communicate good news. So it's not only redemption, it's also restoring lives. Now there may be some church in America doing more, but I don't know it. This church is involved in a myriad number of ways to restore, to rebuild, to reconstruct lives. And you know what? It is expensive. It takes staffing. It takes lots of volunteers to truly help people, to, to, to care for others at Brookwood. And our budget for caring for others here in Brookwood is 1.2 million, 17%. And it includes counseling and prayer and transformation prayer ministry, volunteer support, financial care, celebrate recovery, which is to help people deal with habits, not merely addictions, but all kinds of, as they say, habits, hangups, and what's the other word? Hurts. So that they don't fall into some of these destructive things or to help come out of it. The landing is the same type program for teenagers. We also do first impressions, welcome reception. Place helps you discover your spiritual gifts and where you can serve. Lord's Supper and connection samplers, which occurs today. Membership classes at three in here. And then you can learn about small groups and ministry, service ministries in the concourse. Now, we also care for our community and the world. And we began this year to do monthly respites, a, a rest, a break for parents of, of special needs children's, special friends. I don't know if you know this, we have a remarkable special friends ministry. Because I want you to understand this. Because someone may have a special needs issue does not mean they can't know Jesus Christ or that they don't need to know Jesus Christ. I take great solace from the fact that John the Baptist was, was invested, was filled with the spirit of God inside his mother's womb. 
Now, how much cognitive information was passed in that transaction? See, salvation's not information. It's transformation. It's revelation. So we value these young people and we serve them and we have a wonderful um, department. And I'll tell you what, you bring them, we'll build more room. Now you're gonna have to pay for it. But, what, but you find every special needs family in town and tell them we wanna love them and we wanna love their children. Now go get them. We gave 600,000 to care for rescued children in India. We supported 24 mission partners. We drilled 36 water wells in India. Isn't that right? With water of life. In the coming year, we're going to increase uh, t- by $10 a month. See, we're, we're, we're supporting 1,000 children. Now, there's actually many thousands more than that now today. And I'm going to be speaking to you of that in coming weeks a little bit more. But we're increasing to 720,000 to care for these rescued children. But we're also, we have a new ministry that we're helping to support um, this human trafficking ministry called SWITCH, which is a little bit confusing because we have a a ministry called SWITCH, which is the um, children between elementary and middle school. But it's a great ministry and we, we are volunteering and we're giving some funds there and I hope that we can do even more in the coming years. The proposal for outreach and missions is 2.5 million. It's a full third of our total ministry plan. I don't know a church in America that gives away that high a percentage, but you know what? I'd like to be at 50% of everything we collect because God didn't call us to just do our own thing here, care for ourselves. And we're going to continue with the same mission partners, but also trips, the India children, water wells, evangelism. We are helping to revitalize San Susi Church. That's a church in the northern part of the county um, in the area of San Susi. And it's a church with a rich history, but it's a changing community. And so we wanted to help them. In fact, one of our pastors went on staff as their pastor because we want to respect their history. I I don't want to put satellites all over town. I don't think people are poor because they can't see my mug every Sunday on a screen. But why not help to revitalize the ministries that are there and have a history instead of me doing something that just puts me all over town? That doesn't make sense. And you can't do the level of ministry internally to our people if you're spending money leasing buildings, building buildings all over town. We go where there's a need for a church that speaks in a different language, perhaps. And a few years ago, we, we sponsored a pastor who went to a town where there weren't any more modern type ministries. And that's the only place we'll do it, is where there's a, a need for a church where you can show up like this and dress like you are and that kind of thing. Otherwise, where there are good churches and gospel preaching people, we're not going. Why would we do that? Competing for the same people. So we're gonna keep doing community projects and disaster relief and special friends and Kids Hope. Kids Hope is not a gospel first thing. It's done by our volunteers, but it is our, our adults going into public elementary schools, developing relationships with children, but they always invite. They always invite. 
John 15, 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Let's produce fruit, folks. Do you want to produce fruit this year? How many of you want to produce fruit in your life? And we can if all of us were participate. That means all of us give something. All of us serve somewhere. And all of us show up to develop relationships and learn. You can ask more about this ministry plan on the 16th, next Sunday at 2 p.m. in Pot I. So you can ask a lot more detail. I know this was an overview. We vote following the service on the 23rd, just immediately following the service. And I'll ask you, do you support it? Which, which means, will you contribute as well? Membership class is three here. If you're thinking, I want to be part of this church. At five, you can discover how to get in a group or find a place to serve. The marriage series, I want to close with this. The marriage series starts next Sunday. And as I said, this is a marriage series based on God's perspective on marriage. Marriage made in heaven, lived on earth. Does anybody know someone with a marriage that could use some improvement? I don't see some hands. And will you take a step to do something about it to help? Okay, here's your opportunity. Now, this includes us. I said it's not bad marriages. It's for better marriages. And I, you know what? I, I can use that. Every one of us can use that. You can use that too. Every one of us can, <laughs> every one of us can, use, can have a better marriage. And we can learn about it to pass it along, the wisdom. Invite someone through our Facebook and Instagram pages. You can, you can text the information in the church app that's in there today. Text it to someone. Invite cards will be given at the door. And I want to ask you to pray about someone to give it to. Take a stack of them if you'll use them and personally invite. Say, here's a course on marriage our church is going to be doing, and I can use a tune-up and wonder if you can too. Will you do that? How many of you will try to bring someone with you next week? I want to see some hands. You'll try. I want to hold those hands up. I want to see. You'll try to invite someone. Pray about it. Invite someone. Ask someone to come. And you can get them as you leave personally. You'll get an email on Tuesday. Forward that to a friend. You'll get a push notification, if you know what that is, this Thursday. Pray for someone. Ask God who you should reach out to. And then act on it. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to bear fruit, Lord, by remaining in you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Counselors will be at the front to talk with you, to pray for you, to anoint with oil. Please help us stack the chairs. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians here, or if you just have any questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.